the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The fortune-making spirit of today's marketplace, The Rob Black Show. Let's start by looking at yesterday, talking about today. Hit the top 10 to 15, 20 things that you need to know. I'm Rob Black. NASDAQ had a murderous day yesterday as tech got slaughtered. I made up a word. Well, I didn't make up this word. Murder-lated. It was murder-lated. Murder. NASDAQ was down 2.8% as big tech sold off as interest rates climb higher. As interest rates climb higher, big tech tends to underperform. Throwing that down there. That's a rule. That's, eh, let's not use the word rule. That's an observation. The S&P 500 down 2%. The, NAS, the Dow Jones Industrial Average down 1.6% yesterday. Sounds like a lot of red, and it was. 10-year treasury crept up to 1.54%. A couple weeks ago, is at 1.2, 1.3, and then boom, it jumps to 1.5. That's a big jump because it's such a small number, exponentially big jump. Stocks crumbled. <clears throat> Worst day in the NASDAQ since March. Where were you back in March? I was a wee little child in Ireland picking potatoes. No, it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said the U.S. needs to do something about the debt ceiling by October 18th or else risk defaulting on its loans shortly thereafter. If that happens, we're going to lose a crap ton of value in the stock market. People will flip out. America's never missed a debt payment. And we have just these jerks in Congress, both sides, playing with each other. And trying to make the other look bad, like, look, it happened under a Democrat president. And the Democrats are like saying, look, it happened only because these guys are voting to not let it happen like we voted to not let it happen under Trump. It's just stupid. Um, I honestly think the collective IQ of people in Congress is maybe like sixth grade level. It's not good. It's not good. Why do we elect these people? Tech companies got hit the hardest. Let's hit that real quick. NVIDIA, Facebook, Amazon lost more than $200 billion in market cap value. That's a lot. Rising yields don't necessarily spell doom for stocks. In fact, it appears that we're moving towards a more normal economy that has a little bit of inflation. One that doesn't require government stimulus. That's a good thing. But these companies are expensive relative to their current earnings and are price-based on their growth prospects for the next five or 10 years down the road. Tesla's got a $770 billion market cap, and they're not making billions. They're making millions. So choppy September was promised, and choppy September has been delivered. Thank you very much. Now let's talk about some things that you need to know about today. A little bit of a recovery is expected. But there's still that impasse in D.C. with the debt ceiling. And Evergrande, that Chinese real estate developing company, 
that's incredibly leveraged is selling off part of one of their banks to cut down on their debt exposure, it's not enough. That's still going to play out probably on the negative drama side. Jamie Dimon says JP Morgan is starting to prepare the U.S. possibly for default on its debt. So JP Morgan gets, they've got a great CEO. Again, someone you may like, you may not like. He comes across as crass. Kind of a Donald Trump type persona from New York. He's telling his employees at JP Morgan prepare for the U.S. to possibly default on its debt. And he says it will be, quote, potentially catastrophic. Okay. Again, drama. Save the drama for Lorenzo Lama. That's what I say. Big name investors have turned to experts to navigate China's complex landscape. Um, I'm not, I, if you ever ask me about a Chinese stock, I, I tend to say pass or I can, I could look at other people's research, but I don't know China well. Today we get earnings from CentOS. You know what CentOS does? This is fascinating. You probably know. There's the clue. If you've ever worked in the restaurant industry, you definitely know. They provide uniforms for chefs. They provide, they basically do the laundry for restaurants. So CentOS is important because they do uniforms across America. And if we see strong numbers, that probably implies a stronger economy. Microsoft, Facebook, Amazon, Apple all fell 3% yesterday. So with the girl with a curl comes good. When the girl with a curl cries, it, it gets ugly. Tech companies are darlings, but they're leading us lower for now until today as we're buying on the dip from yesterday. Goldman Sachs lowered their forecast for China from 8.2% to 7.8%. Again, not as big as interest rates moving from 1.3 to 1.5, but when you're in the single digits, it's telling you that growth is slowing in China. They've been a big, big contributor to world economic growth in the last 20 years. Coinbase has upside, so says one analyst on the crypto economy. I'm not a big coin. I, it, digital currencies aren't my, my area of expertise. If I were to build a playground, Coinbase wouldn't be invited. So we got that going in the world of what you need to know now. Now let's look a little bit more at tech. Amazon just unveiled its home robot named Astro. Wait, wait, what? How did I miss that? It's got a periscope camera. It's got a microphone. It's got a touchscreen and can navigate your whole house to investigate security issues. I'll be honest with you. It kind of looks a little cool. They've put a iPad for its head. It's not Apple, but it's a tablet. And they make it have little eyeballs. It's pretty darn cute. It looks like a vacuum cleaner that can walk around your house or roll around your house. We'll talk more about that later, I'm sure. Elon Musk is called Peter Thiel, a sociopath. And Thiel sees Elon Musk as a fraud. Interesting new book that I just read. Um, they started PayPal together. So Max Chafkin revealed the in and outs of the men's complicated history including a McLaren car wreck that shook Thiel. Uh, 
they could be some they could be kind of the Bill Gates and Steve Jobs kind of yin and yang that went on for a few years between Apple and Microsoft. These are two incredibly wealthy people who are setting world agendas. Dropbox. Their CEO says the 40 hour work office week is a thing of the past. I'm starting to believe that. I think that's an interesting statement about where we are. I was telling my spouse yesterday, I don't really think I'm ever going to go back live in studio in television. And I don't know if I'm ever going to go back in radio live in studio. I've kind of adapted and I kind of like the change, all things considered. I'm driving less, polluting the plant less, eating less junk food on the road. What's your thoughts on will we ever go back to work? There's a power shortage in China right now that's threatening to disrupt the supply chain even further in the world. Elon Musk has mocked the shape of Blue Origin's rocket. Speaking of the code conference on Tuesday, Musk said the new Shepard rocket can be shorter for suborbital flights, prompting laughs from the audience. Ah, <laughs> oh, when billionaires fight. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. The fortune-making spirit of today's marketplace, The Rob Black Show. A personal financial plan with custom investment advice. That's why Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP services were built with you in mind. How can they help you? Find out at robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com. Okay. I brought this up in the first segment, so we have to follow up in the second segment. I want you to play along with me, and I know you can do this. Not right now, but later today, go to YouTube and type in Astro the Robot. My producer can do it. If you're driving, don't do it. If you're on a train, consider doing it. Everyone should check this out because I think this is a big moment. I'm not exaggerating when I say that. Astro introduced its first home robot. It's not going to be the last one. When I told you probably six years ago that Jeff Bezos is the Steve Jobs of the 21st century, after Steve Jobs died, who's innovating? It's really Amazon. Aggressively. Apple seems a little bit more strategic. They do some nice innovation, but it usually feels more like slight. We have a freaking robot in our home that rolls around, that beatboxes, that has eyeballs. I guess they're not eyeballs, but they have eyes. It has a periscope camera and microphone, a touchscreen. It can autonomously navigate your home to investigate security issues or follow you around on a video call. You can go to Hawaii and check in on your Astro to make sure your house is safe. It's pretty cool. Motion detection sensors. Okay, so let's talk a little bit further about this. It's probably going to integrate with things like Zoom down the road. Just getting there to talk about mobile computing, being a robot, more so than a desktop. Like Amazon's other devices, and whether you like them or not, the Echo devices, they introduced, I almost said a dirty word there, a poop ton of speakers that you could talk to. 
I know some families really do it a lot, <clears throat> and I know some families who don't even know that they that it can do that. Hey, Alexa, play Rob Black. That works. Astro will be able to play music, videos, and podcasts, set timers, and answer questions via Alexa. Customers will be able to turn off the microphones and cameras. Good. Because, A, no one wants to see me making love. And, B, I'm sure it's just a matter of time before someone hacks one of these things and learns that they can drive around other people's homes. So the microphones and cameras can be turned off. You can set out-of-bound areas like Rob Black's love nest, i.e. my bedroom. <laughs> Come here, kitty cat. Um, I know I've just disturbed many, many, many small children. You can also turn the robot on to do not disturb mode so that when it does get a little bit annoying, you can just shut it down. It has its own personality that beatboxes and makes squeaks and beeps and mops. Most robots in popular culture have eyes, so this one has eyes. I don't know. You can go to YouTube, check out a video on it. And I think you're going to go, huh, that's pretty interesting. Astro will cost $1,000 to start. Comes with a six-month trial of Rings Protect Pro Security subscription. It will eventually cost $1,500. Amazon said Astro will be available by invitation only and start shipping to U.S. customers later this year. Amazon's been building the robot for the last four years. They've got over 800 employees working on the project. From what we're hearing from Amazon employees, they're very skeptical on the project. A lot of people are worried they can turn into another one of the Fire phones. Amazon had a smartphone that was going to have a hologram. So the person that you saw kind of would look like on your screen, maybe like a six inch character, kind of like one of the, the way Admiral Palpatine appeared in Star Wars movies. I don't even know that it's Admiral Palpatine. I'm just making that up, but I'm just trying to say a hologram from Star Wars. Okay. Or the way Princess Leia appeared to Luke when she was shoved into R2-D2. Save me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Save me. So we get this big announcement, and yet we don't know if it's going to be a flop or not. <clears throat> Employees think it could be. I think that's got to be the story of the day. Amazon unveils a robot. <clears throat> MasterCard is rolling out technology to help banks, fintechs, and merchants offer their own versions of buy now, pay later, and try to compete with a firm in Klarna. Um, that's one of the problems with technology is once somebody does something, a lot of people copy it. And I don't know how I feel about moving into that stage of the economy as the economy is growing up right now and trying to get off government assistance that more and more people are fascinated by the concept of buy now, pay later. I hate that concept. I want you to buy less now. Save more now. There's a big push into value stocks right now. Big push. <clears throat> I saw one strategist this morning recommend 
lower your expectations on the stock market because the bountiful days should be behind us for a period of time as markets adjust to economies standing on their own. But it's tough to really pin that down because what if economies don't really adjust on their own and we start doing things like buying now and paying later? So we would just become more enamored with credit to finance our lifestyle and less so with government assistance. I did this story briefly yesterday, but I think it's worth repeating one more time in case you weren't around. Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway revealed big position in Kroger. There probably can't be a more boring stock than Kroger. It's a grocery store. It's not a grocery store that's got 2.0 behind it. It doesn't do delivery. It doesn't do anything fancy. They're just a grocery store. That's telling you the greatest investor of all time, his firm, is going boring. Kind of a, a salt and pepper approach versus a Cajun spices approach. I've got some great downloadables at Rob Black Show. Rob Black Show. How to deal with Social Security is one of them. You should go grab it, take a look at it, give me feedback. How to work, how to know when you should work with a financial planner. Go grab it, take a look, give me some feedback. You can find the videos at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. On top of that, I posted a long-form interview about the market strategy that I'm currently employing at YouTube, Rob Black Show, or you can catch a copy of it at robblackshow.com. The fortune-making spirit of today's marketplace, The Rob Black Show. Bring on the one the onlys that time, Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com. Mr. O'Hare, yesterday was a scary day, scary, scary day. It was the beginning of the end, and then it wasn't. How are you doing? What are you thinking about these markets? Hey, Rob, I'm doing fine, thanks. Uh, good to be with you. And, you know, I think what we saw yesterday was really uh, a little bit emblematic of what we've been seeing in more recent weeks. as uh, kind of a market that's getting a little bit skittish about uh, its wall of worry that it's been climbing, seeing some potential um you know, uh, broken rungs perhaps ahead uh, with respect to interest rates going up, uh, the uncertainty over the debt ceiling and inflation pressures that are uh, seeming to be more persistent than a lot of people expected. And so uh, obviously we've had a good run. And I think that uh, what we saw yesterday uh, kind of gives uh, one a sense of what can happen when uh, when these mega caps trade down in unison with the cyclicals and and just about everything else because you can see large losses mount in a hurry but uh, but in general you know here we have a reflexive buy the dip bid this morning which again is also emblematic of what we've seen uh, for well a long long time certainly low of March 2020 and uh, and and you just have a market that's kind of like now leveling off trying to take stock of everything What's driving it? It appears that everyone's locked into the higher interest rate bond moves. Seems to be having big investors reevaluate valuations. Is it valuation driven? Is it interest rate driven? Is it no longer Federal Reserve driven? Like, 
what seems to be the push okay. to you? And maybe we have to divide them okay. into you know pieces. Yeah, well, I, I think it's a little bit of a combination of you know, valuation and interest rates, right? So we're starting from a point of high valuation as it is, but we're there – um, based on the persistence of really low interest rates, right, which have allowed for some pretty aggressive multiple expansion. And as interest rates move up or as they're anticipated to move up, then there's some understandable concerns about uh, valuation pressures and multiple compression moving forward. So you, you kind of are stuck in this um, a little bit between a rock and a hard place right now because the Federal Reserve is starting to signal that uh, its uh, policy is going to be less accommodative. And, and I think that, you know, what I just said is an important distinction, though, for, for your listeners, because, you know, the Fed is not turning hawkish, right? They're just moving off the most extreme accommodative bound. So even when they do come out to start tapering their asset purchases, you know, they're still going to be buying probably the equivalent of about $100 billion per month between treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. And at the same time, they're telling you that the Fed funds rate, the target range for it anyway, is going to be pinned at the effective lower bound uh, for a while yet. You know, um, Fed Chair Powell and others have all signaled that um, the two are mutually exclusive, so they're not likely to be raising rates at the same time they're tapering. And the expectation is that a tapering plan would be uh, finished by the middle of 2022. So when you start contemplating the prospect of rate hikes, you know, we're looking at the latter half of 2022 at the earliest and, you know, depending on how things evolve, could push into 2023. So the risk for the market, though, is that if, if we have to bring that rate hike expectation, you know, forward in, into the earlier part of 2022, just because uh, if, if there's, you know, an inflation um, factor that just will not abate and uh, the Fed's hand gets, you know, gets forced and, and you have to then become uh, less dovish sooner than what people expected with respect to the rate hike picture. Joe Biden canceled a trip to Chicago so they can stay back in Washington, D.C. and work on legislation that's trying to promote his agenda. You've seen J.P. Morgan's boss say things, Jamie Dimon, along the lines of this would be catastrophic. Janet Yellen saying this would be catastrophic, our Treasury Secretary. Do you think it would be catastrophic if we failed to extend our debt ceiling? Do you think you're ever going to see that in your lifetime? Because after 30, after 25 years of doing this, I'm at the point of like they always compromise at the last second. Right. Or it goes two weeks into overtime, but there's always a winner. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Well, yeah, sure. You know, um, there would be some uh, knee-jerk catastrophe, certainly, uh, if we really did hit that point. Um, because really what you just said is that none of us really expect it to, to happen. And there's enough precedent to suggest that it, it, that it won't happen. So, you know, there's a um, – I guess you could call, call it a, a heightened sense of complacency with, with respect to – uh, Congress's, you know, ability to to work it out and ultimately raise or suspend the debt ceiling again, and and then we don't have to deal with a worst case scenario. But, you know, when the likes of Jamie Dimon and and you know the Treasury Secretary and and I would add that you know we've had warnings from Treasury Secretaries before about this very issue, um, you know they're they're speaking the truth. I mean, it would be it would be so 
damaging, you know, for the United States' reputation if it could not make good on its debt. And and the the potential worry is that if we hit that point, uh, you know, you, you'll see a really nasty reaction initially. And then, of course, that nasty reaction will will ultimately drive the the reaction that you know gets Congress acting to raise the debt ceiling, right? But the damage will have been done in terms of reputational damage, and we could be forced into a position of, you know, seeing the debt downgraded uh, or, you know, uh, the price of higher rates from, you know, the demand from foreign buyers who now have reason to doubt the U.S.'s ability to make good on its debt payments, which is you just don't want to ever be in that position. And it's, frankly, uh, a bit silly that we we, we are, are kind of at that point again, and, and so hopefully we don't really, you know, go over the edge. Obviously, because it would be really, uh, it would be really damaging, certainly in in the uh, short term. I'm trying to find something happy to talk about. I'm looking at your page one at briefing.com, the professional service that I use each and every day. Um, what do you think about me? Maybe we could talk a little bit about this. The I own these names, Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet, Facebook, the big four. They've been techs, you know, riders into everything. Like we've enjoyed the the boom up in the last 10 years. Um, they seem to be kind of the poster child for overvaluation right now. What are you making of the, the headline news that uh, these guys are attracting? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would necessarily... Uh, agree that they're the poster child for overvaluation so much as okay. they are the poster child for just being crowded, you know, and overowned. Um, okay. And and that's you know the concentration factor there is what could be concerning. Of course, if you get into an episode where there is some some panic driven selling, and because you know they are also you know the most liquid names too, and um, you know, um, but they they've been so overowned, of course, that the, 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 the five of them, you know, um, Alphabet, Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, uh, Facebook, right. They, they account for nearly a quarter of the S and P 500 market capitalization. So, um, so it goes without saying that, you know, if they're not performing well, and if they're performing really poorly, uh, the market's going to have problems, not only moving up, but it could certainly have some, a real scare factor to it if other stocks are falling form with the uh, poor performance of those stocks. So we need to make sure, you know, those those are really important uh, cogs in this wheel here. And uh, that's why I said we got a little bit of a taste yesterday that when those get kind of sold off and uh, with with some conviction, you know, the market is going to have its problems. Um, but uh, clearly, they're great businesses, right? They are they're dominant, and I think that there's a lot of people out there who wish they could be in those stocks that haven't been in them yet that would welcome, you know, a 10, 15, 20% sell-off to come back in and buy those, uh, those industry leaders. Um, but uh, we, would, we would have some problems, obviously, if, if, they're not, uh, if they're not acting well. We've got about two minutes left. This feels very heavy to me. It's like September is supposed to be a bad month. It's a bad month. And now it feels very heavy to me. Anything else that you want to talk about? Maybe something you're working on. We've got about a minute and a half. Well, we're uh, as we roll out of September, of course. You know, we um, that means October is here. So uh, we also know that around the middle of October, you'll get the uh, third quarter earnings reporting period. And so one of the things that we'll keep working on is, is a 
preview for that uh, reporting period. And and uh, it will be interesting, though, because right now you can, uh, even though markets kind of had you know a little bit of an upset here of late, uh, it has handled relatively well a number of earnings warnings from high-profile, widely-owned companies that uh, have been attributed to supply chain pressures. And the, the offsetting factor, the comforting factor, is that most of these companies have continued to suggest that demand is still strong for those products, and so therefore they're able to help offset those uh, 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 margin pressures with uh, with price increases. So the thing to look out for and is, is when does the price increase uh, and, the, and the buyer acceptance of those price increases reach a tipping point? Because when buyers stop, you know, uh, when you see demand destruction through higher prices, then you have greater earnings problems that could ultimately lead to that multiple compression that we were talking about earlier uh, that's going to limit the market's upside in 2022. So it's really going to be a really important uh, period in terms of what we hear uh, for corporate guidance. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. That was probably his best segment all year long. I appreciate it. It's Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. I'm Rob Black. Have a question? Reach out at robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com. Invest in what is really important. Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. Are you concerned with financial planning, tax planning, managing your investments, or just planning your retirement? Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP has your financial future in mind. Learn more by visiting robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Senate may vote today on a bill to prevent a government shutdown as deadline approaches. I don't know. I'm going to leave the professional that you just heard with his opinions on that. I'm becoming more and more disillusioned if that's possible with Congress, both sides. $80 for a barrel of oil. Does that seem like a bargain to you? We send these big drills into the ocean, into the land. We tap into oil reserves and find them and pull them out of the ground and put them on a boat and send them to land and refine them and then we put them in a barrel. $80. Um, Oil becomes a problem above 60. It becomes a real problem above 80. It becomes a tumultuous problem above $100 a barrel. Should it be worth more than that? I think it should, but that that does bring up an interesting thought. Not a long-term info, not lots of long-term sticky inflation in most commodities. As they go up, we tend to curb our use of them. YouTube is banning high-profile anti-vaccine accounts, saying it will block all vaccine misinformation. It's really, really interesting what's going on in America, and again, it's kind of like Congress. We've got anti-vaxxers. Okay, this is the best. This is the quick best antidotal story for you. My good friend is married to a very simple woman who grew up in the country. I know you're picking up what I'm putting down. Her dad is an anti-vaxxer. Her dad is a conspiracy theory. Her dad believes in UFOs. You can kind of see where I'm going out with this, right? Lives in a trailer. He's dirt poor. And... um. 
he's kind of got the retirement that I don't want you to have, if that makes any sense. So he doesn't get a he doesn't get COVID vaccine. Ultimately, he gets COVID, right? And he's seventy five plus, so he's not in good health. He's fat. He's meat eater. He's everything that you don't want to be with a deadly disease floating around there that tends to go after your lungs. So he gets it. Now he could have got a free shot and made the symptoms a lot worse, less worse. But he believes like, well, if you get the shot, how can you get it? It doesn't work. And that's not how it works. That's not how vaccines work. But again, he believes in aliens. Um, and he even has a great story where he goes, whoosh, it came down from the sky. And it moved left to right like nothing else. It wasn't a military plane. So guess what he does? He goes to the hospital and he gets the Regeneron treatment, the monoclonal bodies, which kind of lack kind of what a vaccine does. It builds up your immune system with your own immune system. In this case, we can grow cells and uh, we, we have the technology to basically fight the disease in a lab, or we can do it through your own body. But it goes in your body, from the lab to your body kind of thing. And this is, this is stuff that wins massive awards. Pulitzer Prize kind of stuff. It's like Nobel Prize in, in science. Monoclonal was developed 25, 30 years ago. And I read a whole book on how the technology works. Um, so he, he gets those and he, he lives. My mom didn't get those and she died. He didn't get the shot. I don't think he should be allowed to get a shot of monoclonals. I don't think Regeneron should be offered to people who turn down the shot. And it, 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 we just need to have some sort of be responsible for your decisions. Those shots, this monoclonals, $4,000 versus a free shot. And it's $4,000 of taxpayer money. So the taxes that you paid last year bailed this UFO believing jerk out. That pisses me off. And that's where we're at. We're at a pissed off country. Merck says it's COVID-19 antiviral pill looks good against variants. Biden's economic agenda faces a major test this week. Stakes are high. Congress has four big deadlines brewing. The pointless debt limit politics going on is risking a new recession. That's not lost on me. It shouldn't be lost on you. Elon Musk is saying something pretty fascinating today. He's saying, I don't understand why Americans don't like nuclear power. That's, a, it, that's an interesting drop, right? He's all about clean energy, and part of clean energy could be nuclear. It's incredibly clean. It's just it leaves a, a terrible amount of toxic waste for the rest of our lives. And it brings up the question, what if terrorists get it? Great question. Wells Fargo is delaying the office return until January of 2022. There's more and more of a feeling that none of us are going back completely five days a week. And I think that may be a good thing. Maybe our society needs a four-day work week. One stock that you can take a look at if you're into Chinese stocks and into electric vehicle stocks, the world's largest maker of electric vehicle batteries has agreed to buy Canadian miner Millennial Lithium to bolster their supply of mineral lithium. It's a Chinese battery maker called Contemporary 
Amperex Technology, ticker symbol is CATL, CATL. And they just want a big bidding war to try to get into a dominant position. That's going to be a big story down the road. I don't know if it's going to be a big stock. I don't follow Chinese stocks. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. And in the idiot of the day award goes to rich dad author Robert Kiyosaki. Why do people listen to this guy? I don't know. He could be dumber than my friend's wife and dumber than my friend's wife's father. He's probably in the top three of people who I consider not being very smart. He's predicted an epic market crash when baby boomers forced by law start drawing from retirement funds in large numbers. He is a non-power. He talks too much and stupid people listen to him and stupid people read his books. If you read his books, you don't necessarily need to listen to the show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Honest, straightforward, and right to the point. The Rob Black Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.